The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. And welcome to a special bonus episode of Nitro Nights. Normally, looking back at WCW Monday Nitro from the very first episode to the very last, taking in every show WCW did all the way through that time, apart from Saturday night, because we don't bother with that nonsense. Until today, Danny and I had a little chat. So basically, we thought to ourselves, well, we, we, we missed a week. And that was down to real life getting in the way, you know, so the, the the network taking a lot of my time up, just getting it off the ground, me having to go into hospital, miss recordings the one day because I mashed my hand up and all this sort of stuff. So Danny and I had a little chat about what should we do as a little bonus episode to say, we're sorry we missed a week. Here, listen to this. And hopefully we'll be all forgiven. And And Danny, my friend, you suggested this particular episode of WCW Saturday Night. So first of all, hi, Danny. Hope you're well. And secondly, why did you pick this? Hello, Sai. Um, I finally got my way, didn't I? I thought <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> did indeed. <laughs> we've, I thought, yeah, we've got a shoe on Saturday night in there somehow. But um, the reason I chose this was because you offered, uh, you said to me, "Do you have any suggestions?" And I thought. Saturday night as like how can I shoehorn this into the way so I just thought to myself let me look for an episode where Arn Anderson's in the main event and <laughs> we went we went straight to that so here we are finally Saturday night from 1992 yes and it's the 19th of September 1992 so this is quite an odd era for WCW really Bill Watts is still in charge here um, Ron Simmons is currently our WCW world champion. He's going to drop it back to Vader not long after this. Jake the Snake Roberts has not long arrived to the company and he is entering into a feud with Sting. We have Rick Rude as your United States champion. Uh, Massa Chono is the NWA champion. We have Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as your TV. There's, there's titles everywhere, mate. <laughs> More titles than uh, today's wrestling, it seems. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And it really is. It really shows how different this company was just a couple of years previous to what we're covering on Nitro Nights. It's it's worlds apart, isn't it? It really is. It's just everything from presentation to how the matches are laid out to the promos um, to even the colours. It just it blew my mind. I mean, this is the first full episode of uh, Doves W from 1992 that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... First of all, for those who ever want to go back and watch this and so on uh, to know what we're talking about, it is on the WWE Network. It is also on YouTube. The full episode is on YouTube as well. So we'll share the link to that on the Nitro Knights Twitter account there. But this era of WCW, this, I, I can remember as a kid, I mean, 92, I'd have been 11, I think. Yeah, about 11. Yeah, 11. I can remember Ron Simmons winning the WCW title from Vader. 
with the power slam and so on. Because we used to get WCW Worldwide on a Saturday afternoon when I was a kid. Same sort of time as you know Baywatch was on and Knight Rider and all that sort of stuff. So this kind of era of WCW, when I go back and revisit anything from it, especially the smaller shows like this episode of Saturday Night, it I get huge waves of nostalgia. Because again, like you said, the logos, the way it's shot, the production, the the, the lighting, everything about it, and, and the and the guys wrestling, of course, the guys wrestling as well. It's just huge waves of nostalgia for me. It takes me right back to being 10, 11 years old and sitting in my mum and dad's front room, hoping that my mum pressed record on the video cassette at the right time because I was out of football when it aired on ITV. You know, that, that sort of that sort of vibe to it, mate. That's a great um thing to have because it's like we all have that as wrestling fans. We remember our um our childhood uh, shows and things like that. For me it was um SmackDown. Um, I would be the same as you, hoping that someone would have pressed um, record for SmackDown. Yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. And the one occasion, like, my mum might have pressed onto the wrong channel or somebody has come in and turned something over. So halfway through the episode of Worldwide, it records. I was all right if Gloucester City were playing away because I'd be home to watch this because I only did a handful of away games a season. But if Gloucester City were at home, I'd be at football. So I, I wouldn't see worldwide you know but the the thing with worldwide as well is we used to get it in uh, on itv sorry in the uk we used to get an episode of worldwide when it was like four or five weeks out of date so we were way behind they were promoting pay-per-views coming up that had already happened but my you know my young uh my young naivety i suppose didn't get that and i used to be nagging my mum to book me this pay-per-view that i've seen advertised on wcw worldwide you know, because I want to see the main event between, I don't know, Ron Simmons and the Barbarian or whoever. And I was desperate to see these events. They'd already happened. I had no idea. That's just the unfortunate part of living in the UK. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, the show starts, however, with a wrap-up or a recap, I guess, of what's been going on with regards to the Steiner brothers and the tag team of Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson. Arn and Eaton beat the Steiners the previous week or the week before. And now we have Michael Hayes from the fabulous three birds acting as their advisor, I believe was the term basically being their manager, I guess. And this is leading to a rematch tonight on, on Saturday night. That's the main event of the show. Then we get into the intro and it's really great, cheesy early nineties. You know, it's, it's very much of its time, isn't it? Very, very colourful, and um, yeah, it was just something, yeah, that's a perfect way of putting it, of its time. Yes, we then get told about uh, the, the sponsor for the show, or one of the sponsors for this week's show, but I don't think we hear about any of the others, so I don't know what they mean when they say one of, I think this might be the only sponsor, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, it's Jolly Rancher, which I think are some sweets, I think, is that right? Yeah, it is, and I think they're still around today. Ah, okay. I've, I've never had a Jolly Rancher. I've never had either, but I've seen them in plenty of uh, TV shows like Malcolm in the Middle or something like that. We're going to have to try and seek out some Jolly Ranchers to try, I think, Danny. That's what we're going to have to do. Let's do it. Despite the fact that, you know, the Jolly Ranchers and so on are something that we're unfamiliar with, a very familiar face then pops up and instantly makes me feel at home. It's good old JR. And that you that tone of voice, the, you know, the voice of wrestling, as he's referred to now on AEW television, 
this guy was the soundtrack to my my growing up, mate. Oh, it was really good to see him here. I was expecting Tarden Shivali when I clicked this, but to see Jim Ross, um, who spoke to us about um, Scott Levy, was it Scott Levy was his name, then Raven, who had left the announce table the week before. Oh, um, Scotty Flamingo? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, Scotty Flamingo had left, so Jim Ross is on his own here tonight for this opening. Yeah, and that's something I was going to touch upon, actually, Danny. That's what I was going to ask you about. How did that seem to you? Because this, I mean, there's moments in this show, and it's not a long show. It's, it's less than an hour on the network and so on. But there's moments on this show where Jim Ross is joined by Cactus Jack for commentary for a little while. He's also joined by Magnum TA for a little while. But the majority of the show, he does solo. I've not heard Jim Ross commentate on his own before. Or not to my not to my knowledge anyway. I may well have back at this time. I mean that's thirty odd years ago now. So I may I don't remember it. How how did you find that? Really refreshing to be fair. I mean, uh, I've listened to Jim Ross sort of like who's like from childhood but in a different era. It's like I'm just used to him with the king all the time. So this was really nice. But I particularly liked um when he was with um uh cactus jack because cactus jack is a very underrated commentator yeah yeah and this is interesting as well because obviously we know cactus jack or, or mick foley as mick foley we, we know him as the on-screen character mick foley we know him as the commentator mick foley we know him as the commissioner mick foley here there is no mick foley this is cactus jack this is the character cactus jack and we see an interview with Cactus Jack at one point, and he's also on commentary. This is not Mick Foley. This is the dark, evil, sinister Cactus Jack, isn't it? Absolutely, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> it is good. It is good. Uh, to start the show, we end up having a, oh, I suppose, it's one of those old-school kind of stand-up promos that you don't tend to get in wrestling anymore. It's it's very to me it's very it's very eighties thing. You used to get them a lot of the Royal Rumble when people would stand in front of the screen and just say why they're high, why whatever they're going to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, and sometimes at Survivor Series as well, you'd have people cutting a promo just on their own to the camera, and that's what we get here with Jake Roberts. He's cutting a promo to the camera on his own about the upcoming match at Halloween Havoc against Sting, which is spin the wheel, make the deal. And he's talking about how he jumped Sting and he attacked him and, he, and, and this, that, the other. And basically, this whole episode of WCW Saturday Night, they're building up to their main event. But it is just a promotional tool for Halloween Havoc, isn't it, really? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I've, I haven't seen too much of Jake Roberts in WCW, but I, th- I think this is his one-and-done feud, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, there's not a lot to see, to be honest. You say you've not seen a lot of it, but there's, he's not there for he, He's there, like, you know, he walks in, hiccups and leaves. He's there that short amount of time. Um, effectively, Jake was leaving the WWF and going safe, as the term is, I suppose, to WCW. He secured a big money deal with the previous promoter of WCW, the previous booker, which I think may have been Jim Hurd. I'm not sure. However, he had to serve his 30-day notice for the WWF. He handed his notice in. When the notice expired, he went down south to WCW to find Bill Watts was there instead. Now, Bill Watts, at this point, was cost-cutting. He was. This is the, around the time he was making 
Brian Pillman lose every match to try and force him out of his uh, out of WCW, out of his contract, and so on, make him miserable. And Pillman just responded, "I don't care. I'm not going to break my contract. I'll be the highest paid jobber in the company," and, and which I thought was great. However, Jake comes back down and, and has a meeting with Bill Watts and says, "Well, I was uh, I was told I was going to be earning this much." They were said, "You're not. You're going to be earning this much, and it's a lot less." Certain aspects for the pay per view and so on had already been promoted. Jake ended up working the pay per view, working Halloween Havoc against Sting, and and basically that was kind of it. He didn't hang around after that because he wasn't earning the money that he thought he was guaranteed to get. So, I mean, the timeline there. I'm doing this literally just off the top of my head, so the timeline there might be a bit scratchy, um, but that's the rough gist of what happened anyway. Oh, brilliant! I'm glad to see. Uh... At least he had one pay-per-view match. I might go back and watch that. I wouldn't bother. Um, <laughs> I mean, with, with regards to the spin the wheel, make the deal uh, gimmick, it's a clever gimmick. Have you ever seen one of these? The closest thing I've, I can think about is when Raw brought in the Raw roulette. Was yes. it similar to that? Yes, very. Yeah, that's a really, really good comparison. And all the stipulations are on them on on the wheel. So you have like a Texas death match, you have a cage match and all this sort of stuff. Now we know that these things are staged. So we know WCW are, are making the wheel stop on what they want. It's not, and Bischoff has, Eric Bischoff has said this as well on his show, 83 weeks. This is not, this wasn't potluck. They chose to have this match. Um, a coal miners glove match wins the, the, the wheel spin. Spoiler alert, I guess for those who haven't seen it yet, but I mean, under the day it was 30 years ago. And, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. There's just this glove hanging on a pole that you're allowed to hit your opponent with when you get it. And it's just out of all the things they could have had. I don't know why they chose that. I mean, in the worst case scenario, stick her in a bloody cage or something. It seems like a very, very dated um, mm. gimmick. I mean, coal miners glove. I mean, that just, that name just alone, just, it just harkens back to like, the 1800s even well to me it's got a very 70s vibe 1970s not 80s <laughs> <laughs> uh our first match after we have jake cutting one of his uh, the guy was fantastic wasn't he with the microphone he was so good but our first match here we have the barbarian and he is facing and what i've got written down here danny is rob mullet because i missed his surname his first name is rob and he's got a glorious mullet he really does, and I'm the same as you, um, so I completely missed his uh, second name. But yeah, Rob versus the Barbarian. Um, uh, this was a this was excellent um, squash match to me. What did you think of this? Yeah, it it did exactly what it needed to do. I mean, I mean, ultimately, these TV shows they were filled with squash matches. You had, I suppose, the term used is is jobbers. But enhancement talent is is maybe the more accurate term, I guess. And they would face off against some of the bigger names, bounce all over the place for them, especially if they were facing a heel, and then make the star look a star. And then it would build to the main event where you might get two names against each other, which is very similar to how we've got in the structure of the episode we're watching we're watching today or talking about today. Sorry. So the barbarian against Rob Mallet here, he he does just squash him. And he beats him with the big boot. Uh, now, it does what it needs to do because the Barbarian is going to Halloween Havoc for a world title match against Ron Simmons. Now, just put that into context here. We, we, this is the world title 
and it's the Barbarian versus Ron Simmons. Probably not going to shift masses of tickets in my mind, but hey, there we go. No, it's not, but I thought the highlight of this was Cactus Jack on commentary, and I just wanted to see Cactus Jack versus Ron Simmons, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I would have enjoyed that. You know, I mean, the Barbarian's good at what he does. He's a big, powerful guy, but I always find him kind of limited. To, to you know, he seemed more suited to tag wrestling potentially when he used to tag the warlord and stuff, and when he tagged with men, yes, yeah, and and Ron Simmons, of course, you know, he tagged with Ron Simmons for a while, so but yeah, it's it's a squash match, and, and the barbarian wins with his big boot. Uh, Cactus Jack is on commentary basically saying how Ron Simmons doesn't stand a chance and they're going to take the world title away and all this sort of stuff. We then have JR back on our screen talking with Magnum TA and they're bigging up a new hot young talent that by the name of Shane Douglas. Magnum, TA and JR are bigging up Shane Douglas and the fact that he uses the belly to belly suplex, which was Magnum TA's finisher. And the, Magnum's beaming with pride about this and, and Shane Douglas then has a match on the show against the enhancement talent, Joe Kazana. Babyface Shane Douglas in more than one way. He, he's a good guy. And he's a baby-faced Shane Douglas, a very young-looking Shane Douglas here. High hopes for Shane Douglas. They keep talking about on the commentary as well. What did you find about this? How, how did you how did you find this contest in general? I absolutely loved every part of this, from the commentary to the in-ring action to Shane Douglas's facials. Um, I'm a massive Shane Douglas fan. Um, I was so happy to see that, uh, even though this was a squash match, he was presented very, very well and. I just wanted to see Magnum TA manage uh, Shane Douglas because it seemed like Douglas was like headed for such a, a big push here. I hope he does get it. I'll be watching after this. But yeah, I really enjoyed this. For me, Shane Douglas is a funny one because I, I think he had a lot of the tools to be a top, top guy, you know, especially in this kind of era when WCW was scratching around for baby faces uh, or even when he went to the WWF in the mid 90s and played the sort of Dean Douglas character there. But it never quite goes all the way for him. There's always something, I don't know if it's an attitude problem or or what. I'm not 100% sure, but it never quite works out for him. Obviously, when he went to ECW, it was a different, different kettle of fish. He did very well for himself there. But that, that, that company, regardless of how popular it was in certain circles, was never on the level of WCW or WWF. So when he's in in the big leagues, so to speak, Again, not belittling ECW, but you know what I'm getting at. It never quite works out for him. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I think my favourite thing about this whole match was the finish because a a belly-to-belly suplex and a clean pin is so rare that, I I mean, I I can say that that was the first time I've I've seen that, to be fair. I I, I expected Joe Kazana to kick out and I was thinking, wow, he actually just finished him with a simple wrestling move. It's so rare. That is so effective. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose you could throw Bailey into the mix there. She's she's used it recently, or, or Bailey to Belly, I think she calls it. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's it's not a regular occurrence, is it? It's not like seeing other moves that many people use as a, as a finish. So no, and the, the promo he cut afterwards, where he was very thankful to Magnum TA and things like that, is was really good as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, th- I think he was... Magnum TA was a star, and he could have gone on, and if not, I say could have, he would have gone on and been world champion if it wasn't for the, for the accident and so on. He would have been a big, big deal. 
and his career was was cut short sadly and we were robbed i think of one of the greatest all-time babyface world champions i think he would have been that good however here shane douglas just shows so much more charisma than magnum ta on the microphone doesn't he yeah, big time. And we go back to, um, I think it was a discussion I had with you uh, quite a while ago. It was like wrestlers that need beards because they look too young. And Shane Douglas is definitely one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. It's the same with Steve Austin as well. Now, everyone's used to Steve Austin having having the goatee, aren't they? As stunning, uh, sorry, as Stone Cold Steve Austin. But in this era, he was stunning Steve Austin. We don't see him on this show, but he is mentioned in a short while seeing steve austin with no beard just looks so strange now yeah big time i, mean, I remember the first time i saw triple h without a beard it was like what who is this guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we get the halloween havoc control center then don't we and that's basically jim ross sat in what looks like some kind of media room and he's plugging everything that's going on in the on the pay-per-view that's coming up next month, Halloween Havoc. Well, I say everything. There's only a couple of matches currently announced that he can plug. So we get told... I, I mean, each match that he pushes, we get a little promo for as well. We get more talking of the Barbarian versus Ron Simmons for the world title. And Cactus Jack pops up and cuts a promo there, promoting the Barbarian. Uh, we have a Rick Rude promo. He's there holding the United States Championship and he's talking about his match with Chono for the NWA title and Medusa is with him. And then we get a bit more Jake the Snake Roberts and he and Sting have very short promos and we get a little video package of Jake attacking Sting and DDTing him on a chair and so on. And and that's kind of promoting the pay-per-view with all they have at that moment in time, Danny. How did you come, How did you find this? this is, is this uh, a kind of setup you're used to? Because this was a very early 90s thing. The WWF used to do something very similar at the time as well. Yeah, it, it was something I'm definitely not used to because normally uh, wrestlers would be hyping up their matches in the ring these days. But um, this was excellent because uh, it, it got straight to the point, especially on uh, Rick Rude's promo. Um, he was just, I mean, he was just a fantastic promo and he had Medusa there with him. And it was like, I really want to go and watch this pay-per-view after these three uh, little promo pieces. Yeah. And and again, I suppose they've done their job, haven't they? They've made you, if you were a kid in America in 1992 and you've seen this Halloween Havoc control center, as they called it, you're going to be going up to your mum and dad and asking for some money to book the pay-per-view. So they've done their job, I guess. And it was, it was so strange to see Jim Ross in the control center rather than mean Gene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we then get uh, sent back to the ring by Jim Ross and we are greeted by our ring announcer who we find out is wonderfully named Rhubarb Jones what a name I mean it has to be a legit side you reckon that's not a working name no (laughs) he is there to introduce the competitors for our next match and we have a very early version of Diamond Dallas Page and he is facing Heavy Metal Van Hammer. Now, what did you think, first of all, of this match, and then about Van Hammer? Hated it, Ty. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We, me and you have had long discussions about how gimmicked up DDP was in 95, 96. Good God almighty, what was this, Ty? 
<laughs> he had the glasses, the cigar, the hair, the the wrestling singlet, a jacket, the bubble gum. So anytime I've seen Van Hammer, I've just been very negative towards it. Yeah, see, I was negative towards Van Hammer before knowing that. No, I was. I've never been a fan of this guy, even as a kid. I mean, bear in mind, I'm a massive heavy metal fan. I'm a massive hard rock fan, and I was back then as well. It's just, it's crap. It's absolute crap. He comes to the ring carrying a, a, I suppose the design is a flying V type guitar, similar to what Dave Mustaine in Megadeth plays and so on. But he's not playing it. He's just waving it around. It's obviously not plugged into anything anyway. There's other occasions where Van Hammer would come to the ring and he'd have his guitar plugged in, but he couldn't play the fucking thing. He's just making a racket. And also, this is typical WCW now, as opposed to a Van Hammer issue per se but this is 1992 van hammer looks like he's just stepped off stage from warrant or poison or you know or, or white lion one of these mid-80s glam bands with the, the spandex and the big blonde hair but this is 1992 grunge has hit nirvana have hit they have killed hair metal but yet wcw are still thinking this is a good idea the kids are like this it just shows that they haven't got their finger on the pulse at all, doesn't it? It it really does. And it just it's like I hate when two wrestlers look like they should be a tag team, but they're facing each other as well. Because these as much as I, I hate um Van Hammer and I I'm disliking this version of DDP, this might have been a a, a serviceable tag team. Mm. Yeah, potentially. Uh you can see DDP even here in ninety two. You can see he's got something. Just don't know what yet, you know? Yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean ultimately this match is a bit messy, it's a bit stop start. I I think I mean it's almost like I mean again, I, I'm not a wrestler, I don't know. I'm just putting forward my opinions and most of them are probably gonna be wrong, whatever. But you know, people want to listen to what we have to say, Danny. So, you know, we have to talk for that to happen. So <laughs> so but I'm watching this match and I'm thinking neither guy wants to take charge it's almost like they need one of them or or they need somebody else in there to effectively lead the match and then ddp or van hammer could follow but instead they're both kind of there's a lot of meandering around isn't there and sort of guessing what they're going to do next and stalling and so on it's all it seems a bit it just seems like it needs someone to take charge yeah, I could definitely see that. There's a lot of missed moves and things like that. And um, we get, uh, for the finish, we get um, DDP missing an elbow and then Hammer rolls up DDP for a one, two, three. And surprisingly, the crowd actually popped. Yeah. Yeah, some people have got funny tastes, aren't they? Well, it was a free <laughs> show. <laughs> well, this is true. This is true. Uh, after this, we get Ricky Steamboat and Teddy Long which is an odd combination, isn't it, really? Talking with Jim Ross. Uh, Ricky Steamboat is the television champion, even though Ted, Teddy Long decides to call him the world heavyweight champion. And again, that, that, the, the bouts in WCW at this time, they're fantastic, aren't they? That TV championship Steamboat's holding, that is great. And he's holding it like a real proper wrestler's role, just like sort of posing, but he's displaying it. And I think that's really an important thing as well. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's, again, it's it's pride in the belt. It's pride in the championship. That these things are supposed to mean something. 
ultimately, yeah, you hear Bruce Pritchard and other people going, oh, it's just a prop. But if the world title doesn't mean anything, or if the TV title or the Intercontinental, whatever, whatever championship it is, if they don't mean anything, then why are people fighting in the first place? Yes, you get you, you get feuds and storylines that are not built around the title, but all of these people are basically gathering in this one place, whether it's an arena or whatever around the world, to compete. And personal issues arise from that. But surely what's making them gather in the first place is to earn money, and you earn more money by being a champion. That should be the um, the the kayfabe reasoning for championships, mm. but as you said, it, it's just it's nothing, nothing like that today. I mean, you, I can't even remember the last time I saw someone carrying a championship like this, like Ricky Steamboat is here. Um, I think this is the first time I've seen it. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, mate. Fair enough. That brings us then to our main event, and we have the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott. And they are facing the tag team of Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby Eaton. As the heels come to the ring, accompanied by Michael Hayes of the Three Birds fame, we then get a good crowd reaction to the Steiners, obviously, because they are hugely popular. But I did notice the cameraman telling the fans to stand up so he could film them. Did you see this? No, I missed this, but it does seem like WCW, a very on-brand yeah, if you go back and watch it, when you get the camera angle of the Steiners walking to the ring, you see a cameraman to the left-hand side of the ring. And a few fans stand up. The cameraman spins round with his big, chunky 90s television camera on his shoulder. And he's physically waving the fans to stand up as he's filming. So that's that, I got a bit of a giggle out of that. But yeah, <laughs> the um, the heels are uh, outside. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Danny. When you told me about this, this, this you wanted to cover this particular episode of Saturday night and this was the main event. I was excited because I love the Steiner brothers. Bobby Eaton is fantastic. Midnight express and, and all that, you know, awesome. Stuff. And everyone knows how big an Anderson fan I am. This didn't tick the boxes for me. I was expecting a lot more. We get a lot of stalling from the heels, from the bad guys outside, which makes perfect sense because they don't want to get in the ring with their stronger and more powerful opponents. When they take control, they don't really take control for long because every time they seem to have an advantage, the Steiners turn it back around. It felt a little bit like Arn and Bobby Eaton weren't being allowed to get a lot of stuff in. Yeah, I, I can see your point there because um, only after I watched this match, I kind of had the same feeling was like, were they holding back because this was on free television and it was a free show for people to walk into? Um, were they saving themselves for pay-per-view or a blow-off match here? Because this would have been the second match. Um, that is a great point, sir. Yeah, it just didn't... I don't know. It, it, it didn't seem like the Steiners gave them much. But at the same time, it didn't feel like the heels were putting that much in either, potentially. Um, we get quite a cool moment when Scott Steiner is working Bobby Eaton's leg. And Arn Anderson is slowly going under the top rope. And the young kids in the crowd are all screaming to tell the referee that he's doing it. And Arn turns and tells the kids to shut. Proper pantomime villain stuff. It was really good. Uh, Jim Ross announces that next Monday is the next set of TV tapings for WCW Saturday night and so on. And if you get down to where they are, you can get in for nothing. 
amazing like they could see someone like people like rick Rude, cactus jack the steiners for nothing mm. how times have changed mate how times have changed uh we get a moment where both Arn anderson and scott steiner are dying in the middle of the ring and when this happens jim ross states that they only have 60 seconds left and then that's that the bell rings a bit bit of a scuffle and it's a time limit draw because they run out of television time and boom, they're off air. Done. That's the end of the show. Yeah, I was I was quite disappointed with that finish. I mean, there has to be somewhere in the archives where the rest of this um, was uh, is filmed. There has to. That's what I always believe. Maybe it'll leak somewhere, or WWE will upload it. But I've always been fascinated with that. I said, there's got to be what happened after the cameras went off. Did they brawl some more? Did they have another match? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, in one way, it keeps you guessing for next week to see what will happen, but it is ultimately disappointing. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, there we go then. You finally looked at a bit of Saturday night, Danny. Now, I, I know this isn't normal for us. This isn't, you know, standard practice. It's, it's kind of out of our usual timeline, but I suppose we should give uh, our usual ratings to this episode of Saturday night. So we'll jump on in with our woos and our oh brothers, my friend. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go second this week, sir. Okay, mate, no problem. Um, I will start with my oh brother because I always like to finish on a positive. Van Hammer. He's fucking awful. Very true. Sorry. Simple as that, mate. Yourself? Absolutely. That's a, I've just got two words written down. Van Hammer. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> he he has to top the list of all of the, even that some of the questionable finishes on this show. Nothing compares to seeing Van Hammer as an old brother. Yeah. My woo this week is just the nostalgia and the familiarity and, and so on. But one big thing added to that more than anything else. And that's good old Jim Ross. My woo this week is Jim Ross on commentary on his own with Magnum TA, with Cactus Jack, doing all the interviews. Man, Jim Ross is the best in the business. He really is. I mean, there, there was, there's nobody like him. No. Absolutely none. What about your woo, my friend? It would have to definitely be the series of interviews and promos cut by the wrestlers because... It was that you could just tell they were committed to the characters, even someone like Rick Rude and Shane Douglas. I think they were my two favorites of this, um, this particular show. So, yeah, it was definitely the uh, the interviews. Excellent stuff. Okay, then, and overall, hit miss or midland? Big hit. Um, I know there was some terrible matches and weird finishes, but <laughs> I actually want to go back and watch more of this. So I'm going to be doing that after we get off of this uh, recording. Ah, okay, okay. It's it's in the middle for me, mate. It's in the middle for me. I, I kind of look at it as from a nostalgia viewpoint, thinking back to sort of ten, eleven year old me watching this era of WSW. It's nice going back and seeing all this. But then when I look at it from a wrestling standpoint, there weren't a lot there, was there? Let's be honest. Uh, we had a couple of squash matches and our main event was a time limit draw where they wasted most of their time. So Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go back and watch this episode again, but there was enough there on this watch to make me think, okay, it doesn't completely suck. However, 
this era of WCW, I'm a big fan of. So there is a lot there if you want to dive on in, Danny, to to you know enjoy. There is a lot there that you can get on board with. I think they said the next episode of Saturday Night, the main event is Jake Roberts versus Dustin Rhodes. So that's going to be well worth checking out. Absolutely. Um, they're building to Halloween Havoc. It's not a great pay-per-view. But if you go back a little bit in 92, the likes of, I think it's Beach Blast, it was called back then, is, is a good show. But there's a lot around here, you know, with the likes of Rick Rude and Sting and Steamboat and all that knocking around. There's a lot of great stuff around this era of WCW. Fantastic. I look forward to it. There we go. Okay, then, my friend, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online and the shows you're involved in? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat Podcast with the great Chris Bellis. And you can hear me here where we'll be going back to Nitro to 1996 with the great Sai Powell next week. Oh, mate, you keep flattering me with that G word, don't you? But yeah, you're too kind. Uh, you can find me online at SJP Words on Twitter. Uh, but the network is kind of where I'm trying to steer everybody to now with regards to follows and likes and so on. And that would be at SJP World Media on Twitter and just simply the same, SJP World Media on Facebook. There's a group there. And via that, you will get links to all the shows that are on the, on the podcast network. And that could be looking at modern day wrestling, modern day WWE and so on, with regularly scheduled hostilities coming to us from over the pond in the States. Or with Benny Mac in the corner, looking at older WWF pay-per-views and modern-day products. Or if you want to listen to more Nitro Nights, it's there on the network. Chain Wrestling, the Doctor Who pod, all sorts is there. Loads and loads of stuff and more coming as well. Much, much more coming as well. You can find that at SJP World Media. But most importantly, you can find this show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. So chuck us a follow. And if this is the first episode you listen to, go back in the archives, go back through the feed, check out episode one, follow along. I know there's quite a few people out there who are watching WCW along with us and quite a few people who have been watching WCW along with us who are now far more ahead than we are. So <laughs> that's yeah, Millwall Chris and that I'm looking at you. Um, it's great to know that people are taking the time to sit down and watch Dungeon of Bloody Doom matches just because they enjoy our podcast. It's hugely, hugely appreciated. Remember to get yourself some Nitro Nights merchandise. You can find the links to that all over our social medias. Uh, but yeah, Danny, that's it then for our special little bonus episode, mate. I've enjoyed this. We may think yeah. about doing another one again. Absolutely. And it'll be your choice, Si. So I'm excited Ooh. to see what you would choose. But yeah, it's been really fun just to go back to 1992, where I was one years old. One, you were one year old, bloody hell. My God. Okay, that's made me feel about 100. Thanks for that. Uh, I will speak to you again very soon, Danny, my friend. Take care, sir. Thank you.